Blog Talk Radio. Psalm 82, a psalm of Asaph. God standeth in the congregation of the mighty. He judgeth among the gods. How long will ye judge unjustly and accept the persons of the wicked? Selah. Defend the poor and fatherless. Do justice to the afflicted and needy. Deliver the poor and needy. Rid them out of the hand of the wicked. They know not, neither will they understand. They walk on in darkness. All the foundations of the earth are out of course. I have said, Ye are gods, and all of you are children of the Most High. But ye shall die like men, and fall like one of the princes. Arise, O God, judge the earth, for thou shalt inherit all nations. Well, good afternoon, everyone on the East Coast. I understand the East Coast is getting hit by this monstrous storm. I will talk more about that later on in the program. My name is Kennard. I'm your host for the Merciful Servants of God Biblical Instructional Program. Um, Again, I welcome everyone in the United States and around the world. The title of this program today is, What is Medicine? I know many people, not just in the United States, but around the world, don't understand what medicine really is. Uh, I'll get into that today. But first, let's check what's going on in the world news right now. Uh, What I typically do on this program, for those who are listening to me for the first time, I go to watch.org because in Bible prophecy, everything is going to start in Jerusalem and in in Jerusalem. So let's go to watch.org. And before I do that, before I forget, uh, for those who are listening to me for the first time, I invite you to subscribe to my newsletter. It's called the Merciful Service of God Newsletter. Simply go to my website, www.mercifulserviceofgod.com, and then you'll see a drop-down box, and go ahead and put your email address and uh, your other information, and uh, you will receive uh, my free newsletter each and every month. Okay, let's go to watch.org, and let's see what's going on in Jerusalem for this week. And if you're by a PC, you can follow me. Okay, states here, headline, MK, Dan Meridor, curb building outside settlement blocks says, Israel must take unilateral measures to curb settlement building outside of the main blocks in Jerusalem. Minister Dan Meridor said Friday evening on Channel 2. says, every building beyond the main blocks will harm the prospects of a two-state solution. So I'm not going to read any further. Here we go again with this abominable two-state solution situation that the Bible is totally against. And uh, if they keep on following this uh, in Judges, there's a prophecy. Uh, Judges chapter 2, verse 1. Let's turn there. It says, And an angel of the Lord came up from Gilgal to Bochum and said, I made you to go up out of Egypt and have brought you into the land which I swear unto your fathers, said I. And I said, rather, I will never break my covenant. Covenant means agreement, Hebraically, with you. And you shall make no league or agreement with the inhabitants of this land. You shall throw down their altars, but you have not obeyed my voice. Why have you done this? So this is prophetic because 
many other social conditions that happened in the past will happen again. I'm going to prove. I'm going to quote another scripture to you to prove that. And in verse three, it states here: Wherefore I also said, I will not drive them out from before you, but they shall be as thorns. And that was added by the King James version, and I think that was a good addition. It says. Without as thorns, it says, shall be in your sides. So shall be as thorns in your sides, and their God shall be a snare unto you. And this is so true. Right now we have um, the Islamic uh, shrines there in the Middle East, and we we have a lot of um, Muslims that live uh, in in the Middle East as well in Jerusalem. And so this this is true today, just as much as it was true in the past. And Yah is talking to the Jewish people right now to not make any agreement with the Palestinians. And what are they doing? They're trying to make a two-state agreement and whatever. And if they continue to do that, what does he state here? And this is what's going on today. And in verse 3, Wherefore I also said, I will not drive them out from before you, but they shall be as thorns in your sides. And how prophetic that is. The Palestinians are thorns in the sides of the Jewish people today. So the good news is that Bible prophecy reveals that they will be driven out, those who don't want to obey the true God, those Palestinians. The bad news is that they're going to continue to be thorns in the sides of the Jewish people unnecessarily because they do not want to obey what Yah plainly states here in Judges. So let's pray for the Jewish people to wake up. Uh, The sooner they wake up, the sooner they won't be going through unnecessary punishing. So we need to understand that. Now, in the book of Ecclesiastes, chapter 1, verse 9, in the King James Version, The thing that has been, it is that which shall be, and that which is done is that which shall be done. And there is no new thing under the sun. Verse 10, Is there anything where it may be said, See, this is new. It has been already of old time, which was before us. So, th- this is an interesting scripture. This is, I think I'm going to do a Bible study about Noah's world and how it was. And I have a book, um, I think it's a Genesis uh, something, I forgot the name of it actually. But the book proves that Noah's civilization was just as advanced as ours, perhaps even more advanced. So, uh, this scripture definitely applies saying that there was nothing new in the sun. And I have another book that proves that there were actually computer devices found underneath the ocean that dated back to Noah's time. So anyway, that, that's another Bible study. <laughs> kind of whet your appetite for that uh, for the future. So let's look at the rest of this right here. Netanyahu's office, no change in settlement policy. Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu has not changed his position on settlements. Israeli radio quoted an official in his office as saying Thursday, the comment comes in the wake of a report that Netanyahu's senior security advisor said settlements impede Western support of Israel. It says concern on the right, right means in politics, the conservatives, people who are against homosexuality and abortion, and conservatives are supposed to be more biblical in nature, in their demeanor, than uh, liberalists, which are... They they preach this doctrine of being free from the law, free to do whatever they want, and so forth. And that's what Obama is. He's, by many people, correctly 
have stated that he's the, probably the most liberal senator ever to be elected president. But anyway, says concern on the right that Obama will demand settlement freeze. Following U.S. President Barack Obama's announcement of his plan to visit Israel sometime this spring, right-wing lawmakers have become concerned that the United States president will demand that Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu accept Palestinian preconditions in order to return to peace negotiations. The Palestinian Authority's most significant demand was that Israel stop building beyond the Green Line for the duration of peace talks. Now, According to Scripture, as I just read you and Judges, that um, they already own the land. God has given them that land. That's his land, and he's given the Jews a responsibility, or Israel, the responsibility um, of um, taking care of that land. Now, only one tribe of Israel is primarily in that area. Prophecy reveals that all the tribes of Israel will return to the land. And for those who don't know what I'm talking about, uh, go to www.beasandboyritam.org and enlighten yourself and uh, you will be astounded to realize that not only are the Jews a part of Israel but also the United States, the British Commonwealth of Nations which includes Canada, the countries in Northwestern Europe, New Zealand, South Africa, Australia and those people that are scattered around the world who do the best they can to acknowledge our Lord and Savior, as King Messiah, the King of Israel. They are also a part of the Commonwealth of Israel, as revealed in Ephesians chapter 2. Settlement freeze being discussed by some Israeli officials. On Wednesday, Barak Ravid and John Levinson of Haraz reported that Yaakov, Amador, and Yachik Maloko concern over the deterioration the deterioration rather of Israel's diplomatic status discussed the need to hold back construction in the settlements and even to suspend it temporarily in exchange for resuming talks with the Palestinians so you know uh, we can you can read on here but uh, I I really feel that I need to each and every week go over what's going on briefly in Jerusalem uh, you could go to watch.org and review this on your own. And then my habit also, or my tradition on this program, is to go and read some uh, national news of what's going on in the chief of the nations, which is us right now. So, and what I use is an excellent blog called The Economic Collapse. You can go to this blog. is T-H-E-E-C-O-N-O-M-I-C-C-O-L-L-A-P-S-E-B-L-O-G dot com. And I will read this quote. It's one of my favorite quotes. It says, Most Americans seem to assume that we will always have endless prosperity just because of who we are. But unfortunately, that simply is not true. And he's right because the Bible confirms that. So what I do is briefly read is uh, a few paragraphs uh, introducing the article. Sometimes I read the entire article like I did last week because it was very critical, but I'm not going to do this this week. It says, watch the financial markets in Europe. Is the financial system of Europe on the verge of a meltdown? I have always maintained that the next wave of, e- of the economic crisis will begin in Europe, and right now the situation is in Europe. And let me help you understand this. Just like your body has two lungs, what if somebody took a gun, an AK-47, and just loaded bullets on one of your your lungs? All right, well, 
you're going to have a struggle breathing, right? Well, just look at the world financial markets as two gigantic lungs. You have the United States and you have Europe. If either one of those lungs collapses, we're in serious trouble. So that's the simplest way I can explain what this gentleman is talking about here. So he says, I have always maintained that the next wave of the economic crisis will begin in Europe, and right now the situation in Europe is unraveling at a frightening pace. On Monday, European stocks had their worst day in over six months, and over the past four days we have seen the euro and the U.S. dollar decline by the most that is in nearly seven months. Meanwhile, scandals are erupting all over the continent. A political scandal in Spain. Now, I don't know if you guys realize this, but Spain is horrifyingly broke. Their unemployment rate is way over 20%. A derivative scandal in Italy and banking scandals all over the Eurozone. The Eurozone is that zone that's having these issues right now. Financial issues are seriously shaking confidence in the system. If things move much farther in a negative direction, we could be facing a full-blown financial crisis in Europe very rapidly. Like I told you, one of those lungs collapsed. We're in trouble. So watch the financial markets in Europe very carefully. Yes, most Americans tend to ignore Europe because they are convinced that the U.S. is the center of the universe. <laughs> but the truth is that Europe actually has a bigger population than we do. That's correct. They have a bigger economy. That's, the, that's correct, too, than we do. And they have a much larger banking system than we do. All correct. The global financial system is more integrated today than it ever has been before, and if there is a major stock market crash in Europe, it is going to deeply affect the United States, just like if your lung collapsed, then it will affect the, the other lung because the other lung has to, has to work much harder to sustain everything. So anyway, the global financial system is more integrated today than ever it has been before, and if there is a major stock market crash in Europe, it is going to deeply affect the United States and the rest of the globe as well. So pay close attention to what is going on in Europe because events over there could spark a chain reaction that would have very serious implications for every man, woman, and child on the planet. And you can read the rest of this article if you want to. Now, it says, do Wall Street insider experts expect something really big to happen very soon? Why are corporate insiders dumping huge numbers of shares in their own companies right now? That's a good question. Let's find out. Why are some very large investors suddenly making gigantic bets that the stock market will crash at some point in the next 60 days? Do Wall Street insiders expect something really big to happen very soon? Do they know something that we do not know? Probably. <laughs> what you are about to read below is starting. startling. Every time that the market has fallen in recent years, insiders have been able to get out ahead of time. David Coleman of the Vickers Weekly Insider Report recently noted that Wall Street insiders have shown a remarkable ability of late to identify both market peaks and troughs. That is why it is so alarming that corporate insiders are selling nine times as many shares as they are buying right now. In addition, some extraordinary large Bets have just been made that will only pay off if the financial markets in the U.S. crash by the end of April. Again, by the end of April. So what does all of this mean? Well, it could mean absolutely nothing, or it could mean that there are people out there that actually have insider knowledge that a market crash is coming. Evaluate the evidence below and decide for yourself, and you can read the rest of this on your own. just want to give you... Um, 
some updated information on what's going on in our country, and I must cover the significance of what's going on, unfortunately, in the northeastern part of the United States with uh, this winter storm, this unprecedented uh, winter storm since the 1980s, I think. And and uh, it's affecting an area that is spawning, spawning all this negative, uh, as far as Yah or God is concerned, negative uh, gay stuff. And this is interesting because every time something like this happens, every single time, it seems to be related to a serious social condition that God truly hates. And the Boy Scouts of America, they have different regions where I... Uh, God, I know that many of you probably heard on the news that they're contemplating changing their policy where they will allow um, gay boys to be Boy Scouts. So anyway, I looked on Wikipedia, and I did a little study on the Boy Scouts. I was a Boy Scout myself briefly, and they have four four regions in the United States. The Northeast region uh, was responsible for letting the cat out of the box, so to speak, as far as the, the, this gay issue. And it, here's a an old article by the Associated Press, uh, published June 7, 2012. It says, Boy Scouts to Review Ban on Gays. You can Google this if you want. And this was written in New York, which is interesting. Uh, it says, The Boy Scouts of America will review a resolution that will allow individual units to accept gays as adult leaders. But a spokesman says there's no expectation that the ban on gay leaders will be, in fact, be lifted anytime soon. So those gay leaders are still allowing gays to be in the Boy Scouts, to be associated with the Boy Scouts. Now, this is what's interesting here. I'm trying to find, okay, let me go to the Wikipedia article about it. Oh, here we go. It says the resolution was submitted by a scout leader from the Northeast, the Northeast, right? (laughs) That's where the storm is at, right? in April and presented last week at the Scouts National Meeting in Orlando, Florida. So this is what stirred all this stuff up. And then uh, last week, uh, of course, um, they are temporarily uh, suspending, considering it, or there is it's not going to be, a decision is not going to be made yet. That's what they're saying. So, it, again, and, I, and I've done a Bible study before on how Yah uses the weather to to tell us how displeased he is of, of things. And if you look at Nahum, the prophet Nahum, um, in the first verse here, actually, no, the third verse, uh, Nahum 1, verse 3, The Lord is slow to anger and great in power and will not at all acquit the wicked. The Lord has his way in the whirlwind and in the storm and the clouds and the dust of his feet. So he has his way in the storm, and he does what he needs to do to get of our attention to let us know that he's not very well pleased with what's going on. And in my article, let me uh, go to it here on my website, I wrote an article about God and hurricanes, and it's a pretty good article, and I think I also did a Bible study on it. You can look in the archives. But it's very interesting when you, you do a Bible study on the weather and how God uses the weather to punish or to bless. And in this case, of course, it's punishing. And, yeah, the name of my article is God and Hurricanes on my Merciful Servants of God website. And I 
quote this in the contemporary English version of the Bible. It says, rain clouds filled with lightning appear at God's command, traveling across the sky to release their cargo, sometimes as punishment for sin, sometimes as kindness. This is in Job chapter 37, verses 11 to 13. And in Job 36, verse 29 to 32, in the New American Standard Bible Version, can anyone understand the spreading of the clouds, the thundering of his pavilion? Behold, he spreads his lightning about him, and he covers the depths of the sea, for by these he judges peoples. He gives food in abundance. He covers his hands with the lightning and commands it to strike the mark. And in Amos chapter 4, verse 6 to 11 in the King James Version, But in all your towns I have kept food from your teeth, and in all the places there has been need of food, and still you have not come back to me. So he uses famine to get our attention and, uh, and weather disturbances, says the Lord. And I have kept back the rain from you. We've had drought. We've had some serious cases of drought, and no doubt this year we probably will again because of our sins. Uh, collectively, not individually, but collectively. And I have kept back the rain from you when it was still three months before the grain cutting. I sent rain on one town and kept it back from another. One part was rained on, and the part where there was no rain became a waste. So two or three towns went wandering to one town looking for water and did not have enough. And still you have not come back to me, says the Lord, or repent, or do to Shuva. I have sent destruction on your fields by burning and disease, the increase of your gardens and your vineyards and your fig trees and your olive trees has been food for worms, and still you have not come back to me, says the Lord. I have sent disease, and we're going to talk about it today, how, how disease is brought about. I have sent disease among you as it was in Egypt. I have put your young men to the sword, put them in the military, and have taken away your horses. I have made the evil smell from your tents come up to your noses, and you still have not come back to me says the Lord. And I have sent destruction among you as when God sent destruction on Sodom. And that's coming. That is coming, folks. <laughs> Just as, as he sent destruction on Sodom and Gomorrah worldwide it's going to be coming because we are really getting to the point where is is this gay activity is becoming a stench to God himself. And I have sent destruction among you as when God sent destruction on Sodom and Gomorrah and you were like a burning stick pulled out of the fire and you still have not come back to me, says the Lord. So we need to to understand why God allows these things, and we need to turn at His correction. Turn at His at His correction. It says, and right here in Proverbs chapter one, verse uh, twenty-two to thirty-three. I'm just going to skip over and read uh, the following verse here. It says, "Because I have called you and you refuse, I have stretched out my hand and no one regarded, because you disdain all my counsel." and would have none of my rebuke, rebuke rather, or correction, I will also laugh at your calamity. So he stays here, and, and you would have none of my rebuke. I will also laugh at your calamity. I will mock when your terror comes, when your terror comes like a storm or a hurricane, and your destruction like a whirlwind when distress and anguish come upon you. Then, as most human beings do. Then they will call on me when the hurricane comes, the tornado. But I will not answer. They will seek me diligently, but they will not find me because they hated knowledge and did not choose the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord is to hate evil. In Proverbs 8, verse 13, they would have none of my counsel and despise my every rebuke or correction. Therefore, they shall eat the fruit of their own way and be filled to the full with their own fancies. For the turning away of the simple will slay them, and the complacency of fools will destroy them. 
But whoever listens to me, whoever listens to me, and how do you listen to God? By studying his word and believing it and doing what it says. That's how you listen. That's how you understand. But whoever listens to me will dwell safely and will be secure without fear of evil. That's a promise. Testimony. He loves when you testimony because he's going to follow through every time. He never lies. So, let's understand the judgments of Yah. And, you know, he sweeps away wickedness by, by hurricanes and, and the storm. And and uh, it's, it's right now this country is really, really in trouble, folks. I can't sugarcoat it. I can't lie to you. Um, I don't practice lying. And I have to tell you the truth that we are really headed for really difficult times, ladies and gentlemen. And we have to, to take the Bible serious here. Uh, let's not act like a politician and just use the Bible when it's convenient for us. Uh, we must understand that time is running out. And what I mean by that, time is running out as far as thinking that we can do whatever we want to do and live the way we want to live without checking to see whether or not it's the right way to live according to the Bible. He's put up with that for several years now. And that time is running out, ladies and gentlemen. It truly is. And as I was telling some, some friends of mine the other night, the gauge that he uses is homosexuality, the measure that he uses. Let's turn to Jeremiah chapter 5, verse 20. Jeremiah chapter 5, verse 20. And this is going to lead into the Bible study about medicine here. And for those who want to, um, I'm, this uh, Bible study is going to be a little longer than it normally is, um, and I may even consider doing 90 minutes because I seem to go over 60 minutes. <laughs> so so uh, just be patient with me, and I'll do the best I can to get this done as uh, quickly as I can, but I'm not going to rush so much so that I'm not properly explaining uh, the topic of discussion today. So anyway, Jeremiah 5, verse 20, says, Declare this in the house of Jacob. The house of Jacob is all the twelve tribes of Israel. And publish it in Judah, saying... So this is a prophetic... Remember that Jeremiah was a prophet not only to the tribes of Israel, but also to the whole world, all the nations. So Jeremiah 5, verse 20, Declare this in the house of Jacob and publish it in Judah, saying... Hear now this, O foolish people. So he calls us foolish people, and we are. And without understanding, and that's true too, the majority of us, which have eyes and see not, which have ears and hear not. So we don't have common sense, most of us. Verse 22, fear ye not me, says the Lord. In other words, do you fear me? Will you not tremble at my presence, which have placed the sand for the bound of the sea by a perpetual decree, a never-ending decree? that it cannot pass it, and though the ways thereof toss themselves, yet can they not prevail. Though they roar, yet they cannot pass over it. Verse 23, But this people have a revolting and a rebellious heart. They have a rebellious heart. They are revolted and gone. Verse 24, Neither say they in their heart, Let us now fear the Lord our God, that giveth rain, both the former and the latter rain in the season. The former rain comes 
September, October. The latter rain comes around March, April. It's a picture of the first and second coming of the Messiah. That's another Bible study. But anyway, that giveth rain, both the former and the latter, in this season. He reserved unto us the appointed weeks of the harvest. Verse 25, your iniquities have turned away these things, and your sins have withholding good things from you. So your iniquities have turned away these things, and your sins have withholding good things from you. What is sin? First, First John 3, verse 4, sin is the transgression of Torah. Whenever you see law translated in the King James Version and perhaps other versions as well, that word means Torah in Hebrew, which are the instructions of Yah, or God. Verse 26, for among my people are found wicked men and women. They lay wait as he that set of snares, they set a trap, they catch men. Verse 27, as a cage is full of birds, so are their houses full of deceit. So this is what he pictures all the tribes of Israel today in the 21st century, ladies and gentlemen. He pictures most of our homes full of deceit. What is deceit? It's deception. Let's, t- let's look, take a look at this word in the original Hebrew. It means uh, mirmal, and it's in the sense of deceiving, fraud. So <laughs> it's unfortunate that we're like this, but this is how our great God sees us, ladies and gentlemen. Most of us, not all of us, but collectively. There's always a few that don't act like this. Verse 27, as a cage is full of birds, so are their houses full of deceit. Therefore, they are become great and waxen rich. Now, you know that the tribes of Israel, the majority of them, including the United States, are very waxen rich. But we're also waxen fat. Verse 28, they are waxen fat. So we're waxen rich. And we're waxing fat. These are the characteristics of the 12 tribes of Israel. They shine, yes. They overpass the deeds of the wicked. They judge not the cause, the cause of the fatherless, yet they prosper. And the right of the needy do they not judge. Let me read this again, because this is very significant. This identifies who the people of Israel are. Who are the richest people in the world? And who are the fattest? That combination. Who are the richest and fattest people of the world? That's who Israel is today. And if you want detailed instructions, if you want detail, secular and biblical, please go to www.britam.org. But I just simplified it for you, ladies and gentlemen. If you got common sense, it could be any any other uh, country geographically other than the United States and the British Commonwealth of nations, the countries in Northwestern Europe, South Africa, New Zealand, Austria, Australia, not Austria, but Australia, okay, though, and, and of course you have scattered individuals that attach themselves to Yeshua because they believe that he's the Messiah. They are also a part of the Commonwealth of Israel, but I'm talking about geographically as far as what it's saying here, okay, uh, in Jeremiah 5 verse 27, as a cage is full of birds, so their houses are full of deceit. Therefore, they are become great and waxen rich. Waxen rich. What does that word waxen mean in the original Hebrew? Ashar. Accumulate. Grow. 
So, and it says we are waxing fat as well. And this word means shaman, which means fat. <laughs> so that's that's a care. That's a pretty simple way to identify who Israel is, folks. The the richest and the fattest people on earth. That's us. That is certainly us, ladies and gentlemen. Where do you think the big loser originated from? That show that it has these people that are so fat that well they're, they're just ridiculously fat. Uh, you, you shouldn't laugh at those laugh at those folks, people. You should pray for them. It's sad that somebody cannot control themselves so much that they allow their bodies to stretch to the point of where it's a miracle that they're still alive. It's just it's just sad. I mean, it's just so sad that people allow themselves to to get to that point. It's just it's just really really sad, and you need to pray for people who are gluttons that they can't control themselves, can't seem to stop eating. You know, eating is, is, is not, I mean, it's supposed to be pleasurable, and it is pleasurable, but it's not the most important thing in the world to eat, ladies and gentlemen. It really, it truly isn't. And food and drink is not the kingdom of God, and it's certainly, you know, you should eat and you should um, make sure that um, you have sufficient foods to nourish your body, but it shouldn't be something that you should do just because you don't have anything else to do. You know, it's, it's something that should be done in moderation, like everything else. Like everything else. Deuteronomy chapter 32. Deuteronomy chapter 32. talks about Israel again uh, in verse 1 here. and just give you the context. Give ear, O ye heavens, and I will speak, and hear or understand, O earth, the words of my mouth. So this prophecy, this is another song of Moses that he gave Moses to give to the people of Israel. And so this is to be addressed to the heavens and to the whole earth. And I just want to get to the, the part where he talks about Jezreel, who waxed fat. That's another nickname for Israel, us. Verse 9, for the Lord's portion is his people, Jacob again. Jacob is the lot of his inheritance. Verse 10, he found him in a desert land and in the waste howling wilderness. In, in the waste howling wilderness, he led him about. He instructed him. He kept him as the apple of his eye. Not just the Jews are the apple of his eyes, all the rest of the tribes too. Verse 11, as an eagle stir up her nest, flutter over her youth, spread up abroad her wings, take of them, bear of them on her wings. Verse 12, so the Lord alone did lead him, and there was no strange God with him. Verse 13, he made him ride on the high places on the earth. The United States and the British Commonwealth of Nations have the, the best resources in the world, folks. You can prove that. That he might eat the increase of the fields, and he made him to suck honey out of the rock and oil out of the flinty rock. We have a tremendous amount of oil reserves here in the United States, and we refuse to use those oil reserves like we should. Verse 14, butter of kine and milk of sheep with fat of lambs and the rams of the breed of Bashan and goats with the fat of kidneys of wheat, the, the beautiful land in, in Jerusalem and in Israel today in the Middle East. But Jezreel waxed fat and kicked 
thou art waxing fat, thou art grown thick. I mean, he's really emphasizing the obesity because Yah is the greatest prophet in the universe, and he knew that we would get fat, not just physically, but spiritually. And and he, he's, he's trying to help us here uh, in a very, very common sense way to identify who he's talking about here. But Jezreel, wax fat and kick. Thou art waxing fat, thou art grown thick, and thou covered with fatness. Then he forsook God, which made him a lightning esteemed the rock of his salvation. This is one of the greatest sins that gluttony does, basically, when you're eating and getting fat and constantly getting fat. Uh, you're lazy. You get lazy, and, and you get lazy about Bible study. You get lazy about prayer. You get lazy about everything. And you really can't function properly. And then it leads to diseases because fat is waste attached to your body. And when you have waste attached to your body, it's toxins in your body, and it causes your body to eventually break down. That's why a lot of people who are obese have heart attacks. And the fat gets into it, clogs the blood vessels, and then the heart, of course, has to work extra hard to pump the blood. And then eventually there's a heart attack. And unfortunately, people die because of that. So anyway, he's he's describing our people here uh, in a nutshell. Then I read in Jeremiah chapter 5, it was a synopsis of the sins of Sodom. And let's go over that again in Ezekiel chapter 16. Ezekiel chapter 16. Verse 49, Ezekiel 16, verse 49. If you ever wondered what the sins of Sodom, and it just wasn't homosexuality. Homosexuality was the gauge that, that Yah was using to, to determine whether or not he should destroy Sodom and Gomorrah, just like he's doing today, not just for this country but around the world. Ezekiel 16, verse 49. Behold, this was the iniquity of thy sister Sodom, pride. So pride is one of the sins. Fullness of bread. You know, you have everything. You have an abundance of everything. Uh an abundance of idleness or laziness was in her and her daughters. Neither did they strengthen the land of the poor and the needy. And they were haughty and committed abomination before me. Therefore, I took them away as I saw good. Now, let's, let's read again in Jeremiah chapter 5 what he describes of Israel again, or Jacob. Verse 26, Jeremiah 5, verse 26. This is in the context he's describing who Jacob is today. For among my people are found wicked men. They lay wait as he that set a snare, as they set a trap. They catch men as a cage is full of birds, so are their houses full of deceit. Therefore they are become great and waxen rich. They are waxen fat too. They shine, yes, they overpass the deeds of the wicked. They judge not the cause, the cause of the fatherless, yet they prosper. And the right of the needy, they do not judge. So that's another synopsis of the sins of Sodom. The sins of Sodom. And we are definitely called in Isaiah chapter 1. The leaders are the leaders of Sodom. And in Isaiah chapter 3, states here, in verse 9, the show of their countenance or face does witness against them, and they declare their sin as Sodom, and they hide it not. And, that, and that's a prophecy. We're not hiding the sins of Sodom, the poverty, the, the laziness, the, 
being fat, gluttony, and, and of course, their homosexuality. Woe unto their soul, for they have rewarded evil unto themselves. And that's, that's the prophecies of the Bible here. And we have rewarded evil unto ourselves. In Isaiah chapter 1, uh, in this context, it states in verse 3, The ox know of his owner, and the ass his master's crib. But Israel does not know, my people does not consider. This is a prophecy addressed not only to the Jews, but to all of Israel. In verse 2, it says, Hear, O heavens, and give ear, O earth, similar to Deuteronomy chapter 32. For the Lord has spoken. I have nourished and brought up children, and they have rebelled against me. And in verse 4, he says, All sinful nation of people laden with iniquity, talking about the 12 tribes, including the United States, a seed of evildoers, a seed of evildoers, children that are corruptors. They have forsaken the Lord. They have provoked the Holy One of Israel into anger. They are gone away backward. And in verse 5, Why should you be stricken any more? You will revolt more and more. The whole head, the this government, the head is sick. So Yah is saying that the government is sick, and the whole heart is faint. Verse 6, from the sole of the foot even to the head, there is no soundness in it, but wounds and bruises, financial wounds. We're too much in debt. We're $200 trillion in debt, not just $16 trillion fiscally, but when we include, rather, let me drink some water here. I'll be right back. When we include all the entitlement programs like Medicaid and financial aid and Social Security and welfare and everything, the total cost, our bill is $200 trillion or more. In verse 5, why should you be stricken anymore? You will revolt more and more. The whole head is sick and the whole heart faint. Verse 6, from the sole of the foot, even unto the head, there is no soundness in it, but wounds and bruises and putrefying sores. They have not been closed, neither bound up, neither mollified with ointment. And that's interesting because that's going to lead into the Bible study today um, about medicine, as far as ointment is concerned. And that word ointment, uh, yes, oil. Okay, so... And he calls us, in verse 9, except the Lord of hosts had left unto us a very small remnant, we would have been as Sodom, and we should have been like unto Gomorrah. So he's, what he's saying, he's not going to totally destroy the world, but it's still going to suffer nonetheless. Verse 10, he says, hear the word of the Lord, you rulers of Sodom. So he calls all the tribes of Israel today, rulers of Sodom, or the, uh, the rulers of those tribes, Sodom. Give ear unto the law or Torah of our God, ye people of Gomorrah. So he calls the people of Gomorrah and then the rulers of Sodom. So we're all mixed up with sodomy in some form or fashion, the majority. Not the certain individuals that aren't mixed up with not caring for the poor and being fat and, and being lazy and, and, and being... Either one of these is, is a part of uh, the sins of Sodom. That's what I'm trying to explain. So our country is really really in trouble folks and you know i'm crying out as the bible commands me to do so and other torah teachers should be doing the following because i'm just one man here it says in verse one cry aloud spare not isaiah 58 verse one cry aloud spare not lift up thy voice like a trumpet and the best i can do is just have this program each and every week and, and lift my loud mouth through um my uh, headset on my phone and do the best I can to warn people as much as possible 
that have computer access. Uh, over 2 billion people have Internet access, and it'll be a miracle of Yah for every two person that has computer access to hear me. But, hey, uh, this broadcast is available to anyone that has access to the Internet. So, And you know, Yah can produce miracles. But anyway, Isaiah 58, verse 1, Cry aloud, spare not, lift up thy voice like a trumpet, and show my people their transgression, and the house of Jacob again, which is Israel, those 12 tribes, including the Jews, their sins. And he says in verse 2, Yet they seek me daily, and delight to know my ways as a nation that did righteousness. And what is righteous is Psalm 119, verse 172, And forsook not the ordinance of their God, and they ask of me the ordinances of justice, and they delight in approaching to God. And, you know, it, it's, it's just... We, in Romans chapter 10, is really a good uh, prophecy about us as well. In verse 1, it says, Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is this, that they might be saved. Verse 2, For I bear them record that they have a zeal for God. Yes, we do, don't we? But not according to knowledge. Verse 3, For they, being ignorant of God's righteousness, Righteousness is keeping the Torah and the commandments and laws of God. And going about to establish their own righteousness with our denominations, right? And the Jews are guilty of this too. To a certain extent, they don't they deny that Yeshua is the Messiah. Have not submitted themselves into the righteousness of Yah, which is his instructions. Both in the Tanakh and the Apostolic Scriptures as well. His instructions, the entire instructions of God, or Yah. So, that is our issue, and that is our problem. And because of that, this winter storm is only the tip of the iceberg, basically. Uh, we're going to have more problems, more things to deal with as we push this gay agenda. Uh, remember in Genesis chapter 19, what was it that was the final straw? I, I try to explain this to people over and over and over again, especially people that tell me, "Well, we, we, uh, we, we, well, I think we may have more time." I, I, I don't think they're using their brains properly when they say that. In Luke chapter 17, verse 26, yeah, we have more time, like today, but I doubt we have 50 or 60 years left, folks. The way things are going. Uh, Luke chapter 17, verse 26. As it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be also in the days of the Son of Man. And verse 27. They did eat, they drank, they married wives. They were given in marriage until the day that Noah entered into the ark and the flood came and destroyed them all. Likewise, also as it was in the days of Lot. They did eat, they drank, they bought, they sold, they planted, they built it. But the same day that Lot went out of Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroy them all. Even thus shall it be in the day when the Son of Man is revealed. In this second coming, folks, this is what he's saying here. And it's in the context of all this homosexuality. Now let's look at Genesis chapter 19 to understand. I'm just going to highlight certain things here in this chapter. And there came two angels at, at Sodom, at even a lot, at the gate of Sodom, and Lot seeing them rose up to meet them. So I'm just reading that so you understand the context that they, these two angels came uh, to visit Lot. And in verse 4, 
of Genesis chapter 19. But before they lay down, the men of the city, even the men of Sodom, compassed the house round about, old and young, all the people from every quarter. Um, and they called unto Lot and said, Where are the men which came into thee this night? Bring them out so that we may know them. And that word know is talking about in a real intimate way, sexual way. Verse 6, And Lot went out at the door unto them and shut the door after them and said, I pray you, brethren, do not do wickedly. So he knew. Lot was a righteous man, and he knew that they had wicked thoughts on their mind. Verse 8, And to prove that this was a sexual wicked thought, uh, it says, Behold, now I have two daughters which have not known man, you know, sexually known man. Let me, I pray you, bring them out unto you, and do you to them as is good in your eyes, only unto these men do nothing, for therefore came they under the shadow of my roof. And they said, Stand back. And they said, This one fellow came unto me to sojourn, and he will needs to be a judge. Now he will deal worse with thee than with them. So, you know, I, I, I experience this too when I try to correct people. They say, oh, I'm I'm judging. You know, it's not me judging. I'm using the word of God. The words of God are judging you, not me. I, all I'm just a puny person, and my responsibility is just to tell you, according to Isaiah 58, verse 1, what your sins are. Uh, according to the word, it's up to you to repent, to, to uh, do teshuva. And I'm not judging you. The words are judging you. But anyway, uh, now will we deal worse with thee than with them? And they pressed sore upon the man, even Lot, and came near to break the door down. Okay? And then verse 10, But the men put forth their hand and pulled Lot, that's the angels, into the house of them and shut the door. And to shut the door. And they smote the men that were at the door of the house with blindness, both small and great, so that they wearied themselves to find the door. So anyway, in verse 13, For we shall destroy this place, because the cry of them is waxing great before the face of the Lord, and the Lord has sent us to destroy it. So I'm trying to bring this to your attention, the fact that what God had to see to finally destroy this society is this rampant homosexuality. And so you have to keep in mind when society gets to that point, that's when God steps in. And that's when you'll see more weather disturbances, you'll see more tragedy, you'll see all kinds of things increasing because of the spread of homosexuality. Uh, in Second Peter, Second Peter, chapter 2, beginning in verse 6, it says, And turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah into ashes, condemned them with an overthrow, making them an example unto those that should live on Galilee. So this is an example. This is a prophecy. Verse 7. And delivered just Lot, vexed with the filthy conversation of the wicked. Let me read this in another version here, for clarity's sake here. But he rescued Lot, a righteous man who was distressed by the debauchery of the unprincipled people. Let me read this in the contemporary English version. Lot lived right and was greatly troubled by the terrible way those wicked people were living. This is contemporary English version. He was a good man, and day after day he suffered because of the evil things he saw and heard. And so it's nothing wrong with expressing your displeasure in the sins of Sodom. What are the sins of Sodom? Not caring for the poor, gluttony, laziness, and homosexuality and, a lot, and, and other evils. But those are the main evils that was just talked about. In Ezekiel chapter 16, not caring about people, not caring about the poor, um, being lazy, uh, being waxing fat, gluttony, 
and also homosexuality. These are the, the sins of Sodom. And it states here that Lot lived right and was greatly troubled by it. And you should be troubled. Lot was a righteous man, and he was he was troubled by these things. And if you're not troubled by these things and you call yourself a believer, you're not really a believer. I mean, this country is more wicked than it ever has been before, and, and this wickedness is spreading throughout the world. And we should be troubled by this. And it states that he was a good man, and day after day he suffered because of the evil things he saw and heard. So the Lord rescued him, and that's the good news. He's going to rescue us as well. If we just hang in there. But we, we all have to suffer. And I don't, I don't like to see this country devastated the way it is because of of, of their of the majority of the leadership in Congress and the leaders in, in the society in the United States and around the world don't want to acknowledge the fact that homosexuality, I'm not talking about the Arab countries, they're, they're pretty, well, I think most of them anyway, they're pretty strong about uh, homosexuality, the, the correct understanding that is wrong. But we need to pray for Obama. We need to pray for our leaders, and hopefully, we need to pray that God gives them common sense. Because if, if God if God doesn't give them any common sense, folks, we're going to really get into a great depressionary stage, which the beginning has begun already. But it's going to get far worse. There's over 100 million people right now that don't have jobs, and it's only going to get worse as we push this gay agenda. So. As a servant of, of Yah, I must warn you to prepare. And and the best way you can prepare is to start listening to this program, uh, listening to other programs where uh, ministers are teaching the Word of God correctly that you should obey all the laws of God, that the law was not nailed to the cross, and that you should start obeying or keeping the Shabbat and, and the holy days, just like Yeshua did. We must follow his example in 1 John 2, verse 6. Remember that. We must follow his example. All right. So let's, this leads into what is medicine, because one of the curses when you don't obey the Torah is sicknesses and diseases. Um, God never intended for human beings to get sick, folks. Sin is a, is a consequence of, well, disease and sicknesses is a consequence of not obeying him. But one of the more important things that you need to understand is what is medicine. And what I'm going to do is take you back to Genesis to understand what medicine is, because most people don't know what medicine is. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 29, let's turn there, in the complete Jewish Bible version, Genesis 1, verse 29. Genesis 1, verse 29, says, Then God said, Here, throughout the whole earth I am giving you as food every seed-bearing plant and every tree with seed-bearing fruit. Okay, I'm quoting the scripture to help you to understand that our food before the flood was vegetables and fruit. So before sin was committed, our food was just fruits and vegetables. Fruits and vegetables are the true medicine. From fruits and vegetables, we get herbs and essential oils. So I just want to inculcate in your mind what true medicine is. In Ezekiel chapter 47, verse 12, 
Ezekiel chapter 47, verse 12. And this is going to happen during the millennium. But this helps you to understand that fruits and, and vegetables have um, healing properties in them. Ezekiel 47, verse 12. On both river banks will grow all kinds of trees for food. Their leaves will not dry up, nor will their fruit fail. There will be a different kind of fruit each month because the water flows from the sanctuary so that this fruit will be edible and the leaves will have healing properties. Healing properties. Now, let's, we're getting into what medicine is. Medicine is not just fruits and vegetables. It's also how we speak to people and how you listen, what you listen to as well can be medicine. Uh, let's turn to Proverbs chapter 15, verse 4. I had a Bible study last week on music. You need to listen to that. Uh, certain music can be medicine. Mozart music can be medicine to you. It can help me. Medicine, let's get one thing straight. Medicine does not cause any harm. It doesn't cause any of your um, pieces of your, I mean, <laughs> parts of your body to be uh, eliminated. I know there's, there's cases where you have to have your limbs removed. That's understandable. But what I'm saying is that uh, for people to have cancer and and other issues, uh, having a breast removed or a, a tumor removed or uh, any parts of your body removed, that's not medicine. That medicine heals you. That's not healing. That's not a healing. And, and a lot of people are deceived into thinking that is healing. That's not healing at all. Whenever your your body is being mutilated like that or any part of your body has to be cut off. Uh, Proverbs chapter 15, verse 4. says, Kind words are good medicine, but deceitful words can really hurt. And see, this is, a, this is in the contemporary English version of the Bible. And in, in uh, Complete Jewish Bible, says, A soothing tongue is a tree of life, but when it twists things, it breaks the spirit. A tree of life, uh, is symbolic of, of healing as well when you look at Revelation chapter 21. So we we have to understand uh, what medicine is in Jeremiah chapter 8, verse 22. Jeremiah, I'm reading this contemporary English version of the Bible again for clarity's sake. Jeremiah 8, verse 22 states, If medicine and doctors may be found in Gilead, why aren't my people healed? So again, the Bible is talking about medicine, and that word medicine is translated in the original Hebrew, tashiri, and it means balm, okay? And um, the Jewish scholar uh, John Gill states, is, is there no balm in Gilead, which was famous for it, Genesis 37, verse 25, or rather, Turpentine and rosin of gum, which drops from the pine trees and the like, since balm or balsam grew on this side near Jericho. Okay, so he's acknowledging that uh, this was, uh, again, essential oil. Balm, that's what it is. Uh, Jeremiah chapter 30, verse 13. There is none to plead my cause that thou mayest be bound up. Thou hast no healing medicines. And this is a goodie. This is a real good scripture here. No healing medicines. So there are 
healing medicines, and they're certainly not the synthetic drugs that uh, we use today that I'm going to get into today, hopefully. So, but they are healing medicines. Jeremiah 46, verse 11. Jeremiah 46, verse 11. says, Go up unto Gilead, take thy balm, which is, again, the essential oil, O virgin, the daughter of Egypt. In vain thou shalt use many medicines, for you shall not be cured. But the point of quoting the scripture is to, to indicate that the Bible reveals that essential oil is medicine. Jeremiah 51, verse 8. Jeremiah 51, verse 8. Says Babylon is suddenly fallen to destroy. Howl for her, take balm for her pain. Again, this word balm, that, that's an essential oil, is so she may be healed. So again, that's scriptural proof as well that essential oils can be used for healing. Essential oils come from vegetation. Okay, and to, to help you understand the tree of life is symbolic of healing. In Revelation 22, verse 2, then it flowed down the middle of the city's main street. Each side of the river are trees that grow a different kind of fruit each month of the year. The fruit gives life, and the leaves are used as medicine to heal the nations. And that's talking about some type of spiritual healing at that time, because during that time, everyone is going to be, those who are alive anyway, will be spiritual. And uh, there won't be any need for physical healing, but spiritual healing. That's, that's another thing altogether. That's another Bible study. But uh, the tree of life is going to help enhance our spirituality, and it's going to be eaten for, for pleasure and for positive healing, not because uh, we need it to sustain uh, life, but it's going to be to enhance us, to to uh, nourish us in some way spiritually. So anyway, that that's another Bible study in itself. But... So I hope that you understand that what the true medicine is, is is not the synthetic drugs that we use today. And there's a prophecy in the Bible where Yah predicts that we would just be so dependent on so-called doctors in the 21st century. Let's turn to... Um, Revelation chapter 18, verse 23. Revelation chapter 23, verse... I'm sorry. <laughs> Revelation chapter 18, verse 23. The states here, And the light of the candle shall shine no more at all in thee, and the voice of the bridegroom and the bride shall be heard no more at all in thee. It's talking about the geopolitical Babylon system that we have all drunk the, the wine of uh, her spiritual fornication, unfortunately. For thy merchants were the great men of the earth, for by thy sorceries were all nations deceived. And this is interesting, the word sorceries means pharmakia, and that's where we got the word pharmacy from. And it means magic, sorcery, witchcraft. And that's what doctors do today and I just wanted to read this. This is this is a good book that I suggest you get. It's called Healing Oils of the Bible. Healing Oils of the Bible by David Stewart PhD. Again, this 
The Healing Oils of the Bible by David Stewart. And on page 37, he makes a good point here. It says, according to Mendelssohn, doctors are regarded as priests and hospitals are regarded as temples. Where medical miracles take place in response to the dispensing of holy waters, the holy waters are drugs, serums, and antibiotics, and the performance of rituals and sacrifices, which is surgery and radiation. Furthermore, the public is coerced into tithing to the healthcare system through insurance and tax-supported medical programs, where the amount of the tithe is not a mere ten percent, but twenty percent of one's income and more. So this is interesting. It reminds me of the prophecy in Malachi about. Uh, the people robbing God and, you know, people I've experienced, people seem to be more fervent about sacrificing for their own bodily health uh, where that bodily health is not really being taken care of by the doctors because the doctors, it's a big business, ladies and gentlemen. It's a big business. Right here on page uh, 36 of this book, it says, In ancient cultures, the world over, the healers of a society were also the priests. With the advent of science a few centuries ago, men's faith in God began to be replaced by faith in science and the belief that the scientific method could provide answers to all of life's questions. With that came the development of secular or... um, uh, secular medicine, which is what professional health care has become today. But I am not saying that doctors and nurses are atheists. He's saying secular or atheistic, uh, atheistic medicine, medicine without God. Now, I am not saying that doctors and nurses are atheists. I am saying that the textbooks of medicine and nursing are devoid of acknowledgement of God as the ultimate and sole source of healing. Prayer and God communion are not required disciplines in medical or nursing schools anywhere. And that is that is key to understand that God is... is not even considered hardly when it comes to um, healing. Because the principal idol most people worship today is allopathic medicine, which appears legitimate and real because it wears the mask of science. It says, according to Dr. Mendelssohn, today's system of health care is really sick care. <laughs> it's sick care. Health being outside the domain of medicine. The best medicine is emergency medicine, says Mendelssohn when there is a real crisis to deal with, like, hey, if your arm's cut off, or in my case, I broke my wrist a couple of years ago, uh, I needed to, to have surgery uh, because it was a real serious fracture, that's when you use uh, these doctors, basically. They're good for that. As for chronic disease and the common flus and colds, which represent 95% of the conditions people suffer, modern medicine has no cures, only treatments that never end. The hidden objective of today's medical profession, this is on page 38, is to generate as much repeat business as possible. They don't aim to cure. Cured people don't come back. Only the sick. A healthy population is bad business for the medical system. So it says, in place of a cure, most doctors will try, just try to manage your sickness. If they follow the protocols and standards by which they are pledged to practice, they will eventually place you on a regimen of lifelong dependency and turn you into a lifelong source of income for themselves and the system they serve. Doctors are also good at taking a simple issue and escalating it into an acute problem through their interventions. They can transform a simple condition into a life-threatening crisis. They may not be able to correct minor ailments, but serious problems they can handle, such as their training. 
And this is interesting on page 39. It says, Hippocrates, the father of physicians, required an oath of his students that, that started, Primum no no shear. In other words, it means first do no harm. That oath is not taken by physicians anymore. It has been a part of medicine for more than half a century, 50 years. A God-based medical system would do no harm, but the the pharmaceutical-based system today that has control over health care today does a great deal of harm. The numbers are staggering. And I'm going to quote this to you because you need to know what's going on, folks, the media, um, and society are not telling you the truth about what medicine or so-called medicine is really doing to you. So on page 39 of this book, this great book that I suggest you get immediately, Healing Oils of the Bible by David Stewart, he says, according to the U.S. Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, CDCP, over the last decade, more than 2 million people are admitted to hospital emergency rooms each year suffering from adverse drug reactions from prescriptions or over-the-counter medications. More than 100,000 people die every year in the United States from properly administered prescription drugs. Now, let me underscore this. It's very important for you to understand. More than 100,000 people die every year in the United States from properly administered prescription drugs. So they properly do it, and they still die, 100,000 a year. At least another 100,000 die from improperly administered drugs and other medical mistakes. Deaths caused by physicians are called itrogenic. Deaths due to hospital-caused factors are called um, nosocomal. The CDCP has a whole division for the tabulation and study of itrogenic and nosocomal combo deaths and diseases the july 2000 issue of the journal of the american medical association attributes 250,000 deaths a year to doctors and pharmaceuticals with prescription drugs as the third leading cause of death in the united states and itrogenia that's what that's called doctor mistakes itrogenia as the eighth and that's sad 250,000 itrogenic fatalities per year is many times more than those who die from illegal drugs. Yet if a, this is on page 40, yet if a couple of dozen people die from street drugs in a month's time in a given area, that becomes a national news. Yes, we have an illegal drug problem in America, but it pales when compared to the problem of legal medicine legally administered. 250,000 itrogenic deaths a year comes down to 5,000 deaths a week. That is equivalent to a jumbo jet crashing every day, killing all the passengers and crew. Even one such crash is cause for national mourning. Such tragedies spawn news stories for weeks to follow and prompt immediate and thorough investigations. But nothing is ever said in the news about an even worse tragedy happening every week, month after month, year after year, for decades. Even though the U.S. Centers for Disease Control routinely tabulate and publish the damaging data, there are no federal or congressional investigations that lead to an alleviation of the problem. This is what atheistic medicine does. It says, compare this on page 41, compare this with the 200,000-plus people who die in America every year from physician-administered drugs and procedures. During the same period of time, 1993 to 1998, when fewer than 200 deaths occurred from herbs and supplements, almost a million people died 
from FDA-approved, properly prescribed, medically administered pharmaceuticals and medical procedures. Itrogenia has become a leading cause of death in the United States, only slightly behind cancer and cardiovascular disease, which is which spawns heart attacks. So again, let me underscore this. Itrogenia has become a leading cause of death in the United States, only slightly behind cancer and cardiovascular disease. Now, you tell me, how is that medicine? It's not. Uh, on page 42, Reverend Jim Lynn in his book, The Miracle of Healing in Your Church Today, says it bluntly, medicine that heals is of God, medicine that harms is of evil. In other words, medicine that harms is of the devil. Modern medicine has been largely reduced to the administration of drugs, all of which have undesirable side effects, sometimes fatal. The roots of atheistic medicine are revealed in the roots of the word pharmaceutical. I just went over that. It comes from the Greek word pharmaceutical, meaning to practice witchcraft, and the word pharmacon, meaning poison. So, you know, this is very serious, ladies and gentlemen. And... It says the Bible seems to, on page 43, seems to be advising us to avoid such medicines, yet many church-going Americans spend more for drugs from a pharmacy prescribed by a doctor in whose hands they trust their very lives than they do for food or for charitable causes, including contributions to their own church. Their satanic roots of the pharmaceutical, these satanic roots of the pharmaceutical industry become even more evident when one understands the ways that man-made drugs work. Now, I want you to understand something. You know, doctors do have their place. They do have their place, and in all cases, doctors aren't wrong, folks. But you need to do the best you can to avoid doctors as much as possible because most doctors, all they care about is how much money they can make off you. Most most hospitals, um, all they care about is how much money they can make from you. Okay, in the remaining time here, let's let's go over what the Bible says about healing. And um, I'm going to give you some advice on how to to take care of your body and give you some websites to go to as well. So it takes, if you want God to heal you, first of all, you have to have faith, folks. In Matthew chapter 9, verse 28 to 30, it says, And when he was coming to the house, the blind men came to him, and Jesus said unto them, Believe ye that I am able to do this. So you have to believe that Yah is going to heal you before he heals you. They said unto them, Yes, Lord. Then touched their eyes, saying, According to your faith, be it unto you. And their eyes were opened, and Jesus straightly charged them, saying, See that no man know it. So in Matthew chapter 9, verse 28 to 30, healing is based on your trust in Yah to heal. However, there, there are some cases where you, you can have trust in him, and he doesn't heal you right away, or he may not heal you at all. Uh, an example of this is in Second Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7 to 10. Therefore, to keep me from becoming overly proud, I was given a thorn in my flesh. This is Paul talking. A messenger from the adversary to pound away at me so that I wouldn't grow conceited. Three times I begged the Lord to take this thing away from me, but he told me, My grace is enough for you, for my power is brought to perfection in weakness. Therefore, I am very happy to boast about my weaknesses in order that the Messiah's power will rest upon me. Yes, I am well pleased with weakness and insults hardships, persecutions, and difficulties endured on behalf of the Messiah, for it is when I am weak that I am strong. That's in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7 to 10. And at times, you know, I know I forget that in Acts 14, verse 22, that it is through many hardships that we must enter the kingdom of God. 
So, you know, I, again, I can't deny doctors have their place in the healing process. However, every sane doctor, every sane doctor would tell you they cannot heal. God is the ultimate doctor of healing, and the Bible reveals we should not forsake what he suggests in reference to the healing process. And again, herbs and essential oils. Please go to my website, www.mercifulserviceofgod.com, and you look at, on the left side of the website, the menu bar, click ailments and, and cleansing. And when you click that, that section there, you will be taken to Dr. Christopher's website, this ailments and cleansing program. So you go to my website and click on the menu bar, ailments and cleansing programs. When you click that, you'll be taken to uh, www.herballegacy.com. I, I got permission from Dr. Christopher's uh, organization to use his website for ministry. Uh, it's called Dr. Christopher's Herbal Legacy, Natural Healing with Herbs for a Healthier You. And uh, before I get into this, uh, let me just, I have a disclaimer that I must disclaim. You should consult your doctor before trying any herbs or essential oils. I have to do that because uh, I must. <laughs> so getting back to this, uh, Dr. Christopher's Herbal Legacy, Natural Healing with Herbs for a Healthier You. And under here he has ailments and cleansing programs, and he has the most popular ailments known to man. And if you just look through this, if you click on it, he'll give you some advice on how to use herbs uh, to naturally um, stimulate the body to heal itself. All right? So that's a good tool for you to use as far as that's concerned. Also, uh, exercise. I already read to you how God feels about it. We're fat folks. Uh, over 60% of us are overweight in this country. Um, the tribes of Israel, all of them, we, the majority of the population have a problem with obesity uh, as prophesied. And you can prove this by simply doing a research on the United States, how fat is the United States or whatever, and, and you'll get the facts there. It's all there. But basically the main problem, because of the majority uh, or a good significant part of us, we're, we're, we're not... We're lazy when it comes to taking care of our bodies. And our, for a Christian, for a believer, the temple, uh, he looks at our bodies as being a temple where the Holy Spirit dwells, and we have a responsibility to take care of that body. And you can get this article from WebMD, W-E-B-M-D. It's called Increase Your Metabolism and Start Losing Fat. So, and one of the ways that you can do that is you have to, to lift weights. I lift weights three times a week. Uh, I, I lift weights for about 10 or 15 minutes. I think it's maybe less than 10 minutes. And then I do an exercise for my stomach area to blow the fat off that. I don't have a lot of fat on it, but you know, it's a little overweight. And uh, you consistently do that like three times a week. And I also have a treadmill, or you can go to the health club if you don't have a treadmill, and at least walk or run on that. You could do a combination of walking and running on that. I wouldn't just totally run on it, treadmill for 30 minutes, but maybe two minutes run, and then after that walk, and then run for two minutes again within that 30 minutes. If you do that three times a week and lift weights, uh, you will lose weight. Uh, my wife started to do this, and she's already lost six pounds in about a week and a half. So, uh, And then also do some kind of physical activity of sports like play basketball or tennis. Uh, basically, it's pretty 
I wouldn't say pretty easy, but it is easy to lose weight. It's not extremely difficult. You just have to get out of it. Stop looking at um, TV because most Americans look at five or six hours of television a day. Well, you can be using some of that time to exercise. You, you, you have to to uh, take care of your bodies, folks. It's very important because you won't be able to function properly, not take care of your body and being waxed and fat as God has prophesied our people to be at this point in history. Um, actually, they were back then as well, but I just read to you that uh, there's no, nothing new under the sun, especially the social conditions and behavior of human beings. So I'm just giving you some pointers, and if you want more pointers specifically, what exercise tapes to view, I I, I, I do Taibo, I, I have um, some tapes of an individual, I forgot his name, John Bastow, I think, uh, where he uh, recommends certain uh, exercises to do as far as uh, weightlifting and so forth. So you, if you want some detailed information about this, just kindly email me at canard at mercifulserviceofgod.com, and I'll be glad to give this information to you if you really want to start getting out, getting off the couch and start exercising and, and doing all you can to, to um, have a healthy body. It's very important to do so. So anyway... Back to, have about eight minutes left here. Um, wanted to now you understand that the true medicine now you should now you should understand is herbs, fruits and vegetables and essential oils. That's true medicine. Uh, synthetic medicine is only good when you have to have surgery. Uh, if you're going through a tremendous amount of pain and you just can't take it then that's fine, but it should not be a habit of taking synthetic drugs, ladies and gentlemen. It's not really good for you at all. And it's, it's interesting, isn't it, that pharmacy is associated with witchcraft. The Bible reveals witchcraft being associated with rebellion, stubbornness, and idolatry. In 1 Samuel chapter 15, verse 23 to 24, it says, For, for rebellion is as a sin of witchcraft, and stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry, because thou hast rejected the word of the Lord, he has also rejected thee from being king. So again, he says, For rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft, and stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. So when you're stubborn don't want to obey, that's, that's committing idolatry as well. And it's also sin. So again, a significant number of people depend too much on doctors to assist them in the healing process. Again, doctors can't heal. However, many people treat them like they can heal. And very few of them know hardly a thing about herbal remedies. I'm talking about the doctors. The FDA discourages herbal remedies because they want to encourage the population to spend money through health insurance on the doctors. So it's very important to remember that prophecy in Revelation 18, verse 23. God prophesied through the Apostle John that uh, there would be pharmacia, a, a bad case of pharmacia or medicine or witchcraft, drugs, synthetic drugs in society today. And, again, I just have a list of what doctors should be used for. Surgery for lacerations, getting items out of your body like bullets, broken bones. Surgery for emergency situations like heart attacks, sudden malfunction of organs. I had a friend that had a situation like that, and uh, that's, that's totally fine uh, to go to the doctor for that. Assistance with births, general checkups, vision, eyeglasses, although vision problems can be corrected through eye therapies and taking the proper herbs. Again, 
Doctors cannot heal, and they're trained to treat the effect instead of the cause. And here's some examples in the Bible. Uh, in Mark 5, verse 25, it says, Among them was a woman who had a hemorrhage for 12 years and had suffered a great deal under many physicians. She had spent her life savings, yet instead of improving, she had grown worse. But as you read the rest of the verse here, uh, up to 34, she started. She had faith in Yeshua, and then she was healed. And then Asa, in Second King, Asa, the w- most wicked king of Israel, in Second Chronicles 16, verse 12, no, uh, yeah, um, and Asa in the 39th year of his reign was diseased in his feet until his disease was exceeding great, yet in his disease he sought not to the Lord but to the physician. So he doesn't want you to seek the physicians first. So how do we do? How do we seek the Lord in reference to illness? Well, in Mark 6, verse 12 to 13, it states this, And they went out and preached that men should repent, and they cast out many devils and anointed with oil many that were sick and healed them. Anoint with oil means to rub where the ailment is at with the specific oil for that ailment. All right, and this book will tell you that. When you get this book, it will tell you that information. Or you can email me. I can direct you uh, towards some other sources where you can find the particular essential oil or herb for that ailment. Now, to anoint, you need to have the essential oil. Herbs is, is, is to actually take internally. So the blood can take the herb to where the condition is at, but also you want to rub also with the particular essential oil for your particular ailment, and that's what the disciples did, as revealed in Mark 6, verse 12 to 13. And then uh, James 5, verse 14 to 15, Is any sick among you, let him call for the elders of the church, and let them pray over him, anointing him with the oil for the particular ailment in the name of the Lord. And the, and the prayer of faith shall save the sick, and the Lord shall raise him. Of course, he doesn't tell you when, but he, he will do it. And if he or she has committed sins, they shall be forgiven him. And James 5, verse 14 to 15. So let's go over again uh, the steps based on James 5, verse 14 to 15. A servant of God, an elder, anointed the afflicted with oil, and it's based on they use the anointed oil, uh, the Essential oil based on the ailment. There's so many different essential oils for different ailments, and he used that. What what an elder should do is use the essential oil for that for, for the particular ailment. It says a prayer of faith or trust. Yah will heal you. Will heal you. Um, based on uh, anointing and also prayer, but you have to have faith. You have to have faith. And, you know, remember, faith must have works. That's revealed in James chapter 2, verse 20 to 22. The works required for healing is to change your diet, take herbs and essential oils for your particular ailment, and take care of your body and exercise. That, that's what you must do to be able to be healed. Okay? Uh, the Bible reveals herbs and essential oils are associated with the God way of healing. Herbs and essential oils are natural medicine and in fruits and vegetables. I don't agree with any doctors that tell anyone that chemotherapy or radiation is medicine. Chemotherapy and radiation is a part of the pharmacia, medical system of this world that your body, that your, not your body, <laughs> the Bible says has tricked the whole world based on Revelation 18, verse 23. Please don't be deceived that Anything that a doctor gives you that causes one of your limbs to be removed or it causes side effects, that that's medicine. That is not medicine. Please repent of being brainwashed into thinking that it, that, that 
is medicine because it is not medicine, ladies and gentlemen. True, remember this, true medicine does not cause side effects or more damage to your body. Again, let me underscore and repeat this. True medicine, true medicine does not cause side effects or more damage to your body. Okay, so I hope that I have given you some helpful information about what is medicine, and I hope you truly, for those who are overweight and have certain ailments, I hope that you use the Bible and use this Bible study to get true healing from the ultimate healer, Yah. So, may God bless and keep you, and Elohim ready or willing, I will be available to you next week. Shalom. Peace. Malachi chapter 4 For behold, the day cometh that shall burn as an oven, and all the proud, yea, and all that do wickedly shall be stubble. And the day that cometh shall burn them up, saith the Lord of hosts, that it shall leave them neither root nor branch. But unto you that fear my name shall the Son of Righteousness arise with healing in his wings, and ye shall go forth and grow up as calves of the stall. And ye shall tread down the wicked, for they shall be ashes under the soles of your feet in the day that I shall do this, saith the Lord of hosts. Remember ye the law of Moses my servant, which I commanded unto him in Horeb for all Israel, with the statutes and judgments. Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. And he shall turn the heart of the fathers to the children, and the heart of the children to their fathers, lest I come and smite the earth with a curse. 